Well, it's great to be together today. Good to see everyone. Good to see some new faces and some some old faces too. Uh, but it is uh, great to uh, to worship together, and we're kind of going through a series this summer. It's a loose series, I guess, talking about being better together. And uh, if you haven't been with us, we just finished going through the book of James. And so really talking about a lot of lessons that we learned in there about unity and not judging one another, implementing the golden rule, and, and really putting our faith into practice when we leave church. It's not just about the time when we're together that counts. It's really the time when we're out of here that God cares most about. And if you ever read the book of James, it's pretty powerful. Almost every chapter just kind of hits you in the heart, uh, hits you in the face, and hits you wherever you uh, need it. And so it was really good in that way. And so um, in the fall, we're going to be kicking off a series talking about uh, being spiritually healthy, uh, being balanced, being rooted in our faith, having a a strong faith ourselves, as well as being a part of a community of faith. And we're going to be uh, doing that in the fall once everybody's kind of more back uh, in the groove here. But as we were talking with the core group, this was kind of the big uh, need as we're all coming back together and that we need each other, that we're better together. Like just even seeing the teens out there doing their thing, we're better having them, aren't we? It just brought back some amazing memories. I was even tearing up just remembering just those faithful times and remembering a lot of your kids that were coming up through the teens when Danielle and I got here and just what a, what a pure uh, act of service and faith that was, just being at those camps when you're tired out of your minds <laughs> and yet God is just moving in a powerful way and all those incredible uh, worship nights and lessons and just to see everyone. Uh, now it's kind of coming all, you know, full circle. We're seeing our other friends, kids there, and a lot of our kids are serving and everything. It's, it's pretty awesome uh, to see. We are better together. And I just found some of these pictures there that, you know, coffee is, much, is awesome, right? Some of us think so. But with donuts, it's even better. <laughs> Especially if calories don't count that particular day. You know, uh, hot dog with a bun. I mean, a hot dog is all right, but with, you know, it's not too good without a bun there. You gotta have it. Salt and pepper. We just came back from Mexico, so chips and salsa. I mean, that's, that's my thing. Every, not every afternoon, but every time I can get my hands around it, I go for chips and salsa. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't see a lot of those other things. Bread and butter, yeah. But just we we need each other. Peanut butter and jelly. I mean, how how can you go without that? But it's amazing how much we we believe we need each other. But sometimes it's not that easy to be together and need each other, right? It, we went on our family vacation, and then you know we're all we're having a good time, and then we have to decide what are we going to do. And one person wants to do this, and one person wants to do that, and another person absolutely will never do this in a thousand years. And then we finally figure out, okay, we're going to go to this beach, and we get there, and then it becomes a whole other thing of, like, how long are we going to stay at the beach? And do we need to go get uh, a snorkel right now? And, you know, when are we going to go get something to drink? And 
I'm, you know, it's just like, wow, we, it, we know we're better together. And God shows us in so many different ways. And yet sometimes we can have it, we could try to do it on our own. You know, uh, this summer we're going to focus on being together. We need everyone here. We need everyone that's watching on home, at home. I know we have a number of you there, so we send our love to you as well. We need you too. And this summer we're going to get to have some guest speakers, Scott and Teresa Kirkpatrick, to come out from Riverside that we recently hired last year. And uh, Nelson and Carolina uh, Barreto are going to come out from Rancho Cucamonga. And uh, I don't know if they're going to make it out here, but just so some, you guys know, one, another couple that we interviewed here got hired in Rancho Cucamonga to work with the campus, uh, Stephen and, Le- and uh, Shannon Morales. Yeah. And so uh, they were uh, far second to our incredible uh, Roy and Alicia that we hired, but we really loved them. We kind of wanted both of them, so in a way we got both of them. And, uh, and God blessed us with, you know, Ray and Nancy to help us with our Spanish ministry. And that was one of our big things there. So God is faithful. We imagine trying to do church by yourself. So you'd have to, you know, meet someone and then you'd have to pick them up or whatever, follow up with them. You'd have to preach the sermon. You'd have to do everything, pass the ushering trays, sing the songs. I mean, it would be probably pretty scary for me at least to try to sing songs but God says that our his body is perfect with all of us together not with any one member even however awesome that member is they still have a lot of flaws but when you put all of our strengths together he even says that it represents Christ as amazing and and awesome as that is, that we are better together. And let's uh, have a prayer, and then I want to tell you a story. Uh, Father, we do thank you for this time. Thank you that you have shown us in so many ways that we need one another, in so many ways that your church is complete with all the people that you've called into it, God. I pray that you use me in this time, you get me out of the way so that your word can speak to us and help us to Get the conviction even deeper that we need each other and that we are better together. So I mentioned that we went down uh, to Cabo this week, or we went to Mexico. Had an amazing time. The first four days, it was like, you know, we'd taken this boat to this remote island and driving to this private beach where you look around and you don't even, like, see anyone. And we were having all kinds of great conversations, like, we need to retire here. You know, we need to learn Spanish. We need to get come back often. And then about the last day we were there, the fifth day, as before we were leaving, it starts to hit me that I'm not feeling too well. And uh, then Chloe's not feeling too well. And we're kind of laid flat for that afternoon. And we're flying out at 11 o'clock that night. And we were just... Chloe and I look like death. It was so bad. If you have a teenage boy, you'll appreciate this, that my son felt so bad for us that he didn't even take any pictures. Right? Because there would have been so much incriminating evidence of us in airports, waiting in lines, slumped over in seats. I mean, I felt like people were going to think we're like on something. I mean, it was so embarrassing. And, you know, so it was... 
I kept thinking about this sermon that we're better together, that really if it wasn't for Connor and Danielle, we would have not even made it home. You know, and we're, we crossed the border, and it was like 2.30 in the morning, and we're just like, had to drive all the way back here, and, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't pretty. It was very humbling, and it wasn't very fun to be on the helpless side of that equation, right? So many of us as Christians, we want to help, we want to serve, we want to make a difference, and it's, sometimes that's even easier than being the one that needs help and the one that needs encouragement, and the one that needs to be, you know, wheelchaired across the airport or whatever. And, and, and it, was, it wasn't pretty, but we made it back, and it made me so grateful, you know, just that God has put us together, that he's given us the family that we have. And even so many of us in here, you can think about a time when someone pulled you out when you couldn't have made it by yourself. Or you, you weren't sure you could make it by yourself. You just felt like, oh, man, am I going to really do this? Am I really going to stay faithful? Am I going to do the right thing? And it, it just is a great reminder that we are better together, that we need uh, one another. I think even all that we've been through the last 14 months or so, it helps us to appreciate just even the little things, having a game night, you know, having someone over for dinner, you know, going out for coffee, just giving someone a real hug. You know, being at church where you actually can see people and give them a hug and, and be around each other. And yet it's so easy to just get into a routine and forget the value that we bring to one another. My, first, my point number one here in Better Together is we're together in mercy. And I just looked up that term online and... It was so encouraging, I guess, to see, you know, drug rehab centers talking about the, it's called the Mercy Center. You know, there's even a nonprofit air, uh, organization that gives airline tickets that's called Mercy Airlines. You know, there's movies and musicals written on this topic because it is so valuable. And it's something that we all need, whether we are in touch with that need or not. But when I was a young boy, when I was probably six or seven years old, I was flipping through the six channels that we got on TV back then. And uh, I came across this movie, and the first part that I saw was this guy walking through the sewers of Paris. And I just remember thinking, oh, this looks good. (laughs) The mind of a six, a seven-year-old. And there's rats, and they're walking in sewage up to their waist. And I was just thinking, ooh, you got me here. This looks really good. Little did I know that it was the the movie version of Les Miserables. And to see it later as an adult and to realize, wow, maybe I didn't know exactly why I I didn't like this movie for the right reasons. But this was a really amazing movie. It means the, the miserable ones, the outcasts, the wretched poor. And the entire, I won't give the movie away because this is actually one that you probably should see. Made me want to see it again. But where the inspector is wrestling the whole movie with the concept of the law and mercy. And just what people deserve and what mercy would mean in this situation. 
And we all have learned a lot about mercy in the past year. We've learned a lot about accepting one another and not judging one another and just being more humble. I felt that. And so together in mercy, mercy is something that as God's people, we all share. We all need and we all desire from God. So start reading with me in Romans chapter 11, verse 25. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So this is basically the opposite of the book of James, where the book of James was written to the Jews trying to get them to accept the Gentiles. This was written to a church that was mostly Gentile and trying to help them to see the value of the Jews and their history with God. And let me continue uh, reading here in verse 28. It says, as far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who are at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. So now they too have become disobedient in order that you, that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. And there's a lot of different concepts here that I'm not going to get into with, as far as God's calling and the the Jews and the Gentiles and election and the patriarchs. But basically, he's saying that Israel has, has not been open to the gospel so that it can come to you right now. And then later on, it's going to go back to them. But just be grateful that God is having mercy on you. And then the last line where he closed it out, he says, God has bound everyone over to disobedience that he may have mercy on them all. That that's something that we share together. That we need and desire. Our greatest need is God's mercy and his grace. That this describes the entire human condition. That we're, we've fallen short. That we've turned away at different times and in many different ways. That the Jews and the Gentiles were coming together as a part of God's huge plan that no one could have ever seen. They were separate for 2,000 years. And now he's saying, they're your brothers. They weren't before. You weren't even supposed to be around them, but now they're your brothers. And yes, God let a few Gentiles in here and there, but now he's opening up the door And that mercy is what brings all of us together. It's not easier, but because of Christ, it's better. That they learn two lessons. That no one can make it to be with God based on their own merit. 
That no matter how hard we try, we can never be perfect. We can never be Jesus. We can never make it on our own. Even as Christians. Sometimes we feel like, oh, before I became a Christian, man, I was really bad. And then after I became a Christian, I was really good. And God has given us goodness. But I think we just become more and more in touch with how much mercy we need. Don't we? If you could have followed me through those airports and just listened to my mind, getting an attitude at those people that had the century pass as we're just suffering and they just walk to the front. You know, as we're in the airplane and, you know, one of us has to go to the bathroom and the, the flight attendant won't let him. And we're just like, no, this is an emergency. And just the level of, you know, complaining, and I, I don't try not to do it out loud, but, man, if you could go in there, it would be, it was bad. <laughs> and you say, well, it wasn't just mercy that I needed then. It's mercy that I need now. It's mercy that we need every day. That binds us together. And the other lesson they learn is that, that no one is good enough on their own merits, but no one is too far gone. That no one is beyond God's reach. That he was bringing in people that would probably feel uncomfortable at church today. You know, when you read the New Testament, you see the people that Jesus brought in and gave mercy to. That was so amazing, and it gave hope to so many. And I pray that even as you... uh, Let's continue reading here, and then I'll... A little more. It says, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that they should repay, he, that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory of Forever, And he's basically just saying, who can understand God that he is bringing the Gentiles and the Jews together? Who can understand the mercy of God that he can forgive all of us of our sins? That he wants, not only does he do that, but he wants to do that. Not only does he want to do that, but he, he loves you and he, he wants a relationship with us. So that's beyond understanding. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is your true and proper worship. My goal for myself and for all of you is to be able to connect with God's mercy every day. To be able to feel and accept and Be moved by his love for you, by his forgiveness for you, even the days when you feel like you don't need much, especially the days when you feel like you need an unlimited amount, when you feel like you can't get out because of your mistakes and your sins. And not only to connect with this mercy, but to share it with others. 
that that's the most valuable resource that we can share to pay it forward. To ask ourselves the question, how can I show mercy today? And I don't mean just sharing our faith, although that's part of it, but how can I just be nice? How can I help someone out that's in a bind? How can I do something for someone that doesn't deserve it, that, that doesn't expect it? And that's what God does for us. He gives us what we don't deserve and what we don't expect. He opens up our heart so that we can share in this mercy together. Because I believe when we do that, it changes the way we look at everyone. We're looking to give mercy. We're, we're, we're acknowledging our own need for that same gift. Sometimes we forget how amazing it is that God has brought us all together from all over the world, from all over the country, from all over the, our walks of life, our backgrounds, our educations, our whatever, that God has brought us to him because of one thing, the cross of Christ. If it wasn't for that, none of us would be here. None of us would know any of each other, probably. Maybe some of you that were friends before. But that is an amazing thing if we just stop and think about it. It's enough to help us to have that same awe about the riches and wisdom of the knowledge of God. Let's recognize and come together in God's mercy. Point number two, together in gifts. And I use Christmas presents because it's from God. He gives us many gifts, and it's my favorite holiday. But recognizing these gifts and respecting one another as we see these gifts in each other. Let's continue reading in Romans uh, chapter 12 and uh, verse 3. It says, for the, by the grace given me, I say to each one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us have, has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. What an amazing passage talking about the grace that God has given us. All the gifts that we have came from, from God. It says when Jesus was raised to heaven, he gave gifts to men. That sometimes we like to take credit for our own gifts. That's probably something else that we need mercy for. And I'm the chief offender. I, I like to get a pat on the back as much as the next person. You can ask my family. But when we recognize that our gifts have been given by God, by his grace, it gives us a, a, a new power to be able to use them. Because they're not ours, they're his. And it's encouraging to recognize that. And then he says to have a humble estimation and a faithful application of your gifts. You know, there's some of us that think we have a lot of gifts, and maybe we haven't been blessed with so many. 
I think most of us have gifts that we don't know we have. I don't know how many it is, but probably 90% of us don't believe we have as many gifts as God has given us. That we don't feel like our gifts are good enough to use as much as God wants us to use them. And he says to have a faithful, I love that too, in accordance with the faith that God has given you. That your gifts will make a difference. That when you use them for God, that they will not come back empty. That they will produce God's purpose with your with your gifts. My challenge for us is to find and use our gifts for God. Sometimes it's a weird thing, but to be a Christian and acknowledge that you have a gift, you almost feel like you're being prideful. You feel like it's like, hey, look at me, I have a gift. (laughs) No, it's okay to say God has given me this gift and he wants me to use it. He wants me to put, help use it to build one another up. He said that each member belongs to all the others. That we're better together when we're using our gifts together. That we're individual Christians, but we're also collective Christians. That we belong to one another. And I pray that we can use our gifts He continues on, he says, we have different gifts according to the grace God has given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. All these different gifts, and God wants them to use us to use them to build up his body. You know, a few weeks ago, I had someone come up to me at church, and he said, I want to use my gifts for God, especially now that we're back together. And it just kind of stood out to me. It shouldn't really be a weird thing when somebody says that at church, but I was just like, wow, when was the last time I heard that? And probably because we haven't been together, doesn't give much opportunity. But that is the spirit that God wants us to have. I want to use my gifts to build up God's people. And so many of you are, are doing that. And my encouragement is to continue to be examples in using your gifts and help others to do the same. Because it's even more inspiring when someone who maybe hasn't been using their gifts then decides to use their gifts. You know, we had, um, she's not here so I won't embarrass her, but we had Allie uh, Boyer in the, uh, she's serving in Kids Kingdom and recently started working with the team ministry and I know a lot of that was inspired by Alicia and Roy. And, but it's just so encouraging to see her want to serve. And I saw her in the video, too, you know, want to give and want to, you know, put herself out there and really to start to develop and see, wow, I do have something to give. I do have gifts, you know, and I think that's even more special to God than someone that's maybe been doing it forever. And they're the the chief gift person in the church or whatever. Not that they're not needed, but, you know, for all of us to serve. 
you know, I asked you before, what would church be like if, you, if it was only you, right, doing the singing, preaching, and all that? What would your family group be like if it was only you? Would you even have a family group? Would people be there? You know, preparing the lesson and the snacks and the prayer list and the communication. You know, to be able to serve, we need all of us to serve. To find our gifts and to be able to use them and make time to use them and have a heart to want to build up, build, uh, build up the church in that way. We need all of us. You know, we've been apart. We still have people that are at home, which we're praying for you guys. And we need everyone to reach out to everyone else. You know, and I have to tell you, I'm kind of going off script here, but the reason we, one of the reasons why I wanted to do the spiritual healthy church in the fall is because some of our family group leaders are just like serving like over, over time. You know, they're getting with like six couples every two weeks and they're super diligent and they're just getting a little burnt out. And I was just like, what, what's going on? Is it really that everybody just lets them go and do it and they don't really think like, hey, I wonder how they're doing? And just kind of sit back and I know that we have so much strength that we're trying to tap into. And so if you're somebody that's been around for more than a few years, that's you. <laughs> it's time to really be that giver and to ask people, hey, how can I serve? What can I do? How can I build up my family group? How can I build up my, my church? How can I help someone? How can, what has God given? Maybe it's just, hey, just I don't even know what my gifts are. Maybe you can tell me. Maybe you can help me figure them out. And because that is just a concern, <laughs> you know, that some of us can sit back and just be happy watching other people serve. You know, and, and that doesn't describe so many of you. And so if it's not you, then don't be offended. Just move on to the next point and uh, try to inspire and pray for other people to use their gifts so that we can all do it, I love these words, diligently and with grace and according to your faith and encourage one another and, and, and cheerfully. And let's continue not just to use our gifts, but do it with the Spirit. Because when we're using them for God, it is easy. It, it's not a grind when we have the Spirit of God in us. Now, as we take our communion together, let's going to jump over a little bit to Romans 13. He said, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor 
of light. And I love that summary there where he says, love your neighbor as yourself and do them no harm. That's what it means in so many ways to come together, to be better together, to look out for one another, to fulfill the law. And I don't know what he means exactly here where he says that the, he's calling them to wake up from their slumber. And maybe that's for some of us what we're doing too. We're getting back into our old habits. We're getting our first love back. We're coming back, meeting one another. And even if we're not meeting here, as we did our survey, every single person wanted to meet together one-on-one. So let's come back together. Let's awake from our slumber. And I'm always moved to think about that line, your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. From the time that you came to know Christ until now, it may have been a short time or may have been a long time. But the end seems a lot closer now than when I was 18 years old, when I first found Christ. It seems a lot closer. I feel like you can almost see it. And it makes it more real. And it makes it more important and more um, worth fighting for. And he says, let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let's pray as we recognize the body and blood of Christ, the mercy that he's given us and the gifts that he's given us. And we put on that armor of light that he has given us to protect us. So let's pray for our communion together. God, thank you for this time to be together. Thank you for the mercy that you've shown to every single one of us. Thank you that you have put us in a community of faith, people that will help us and encourage us and that we can help and encourage. God, thank you for Jesus that had this perfect plan to use us imperfect people. Thank you for the body and blood that he shed for us. And even now as we take uh, the communion, help us to recognize him as the source of, uh, of everything for us. Help us to put on that armor of light and to put off the deeds of darkness. God, we love you, we praise you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.